Welcome into the latest edition to hear that podcast crowd, Paul Jr. and Jay Morrison of The Athletic, coming to you on a Monday night, day one of free agency. Jay is hanging out in the dark, creeping, looking. It creepy. looks like it. Looking That's where my creepy. lights are on. Do you have any light in your house? Did Hamilton turn you off? <laughs> I do have light, and I have a ring light. I have a ring light. I have a, I have a lamp. I, I don't know why it looks so dark in here. It is. It's maybe, crazy. maybe it kind of it sets the mood for Bengal fans of yeah. of a dark day for some of them. Yeah, the dark day. Are you hanging out with Luana Rumo right now on the dark day? <laughs> uh, this was the one that you know we're gonna we're gonna go through a little bit of the the big news of the day. Jermaine Pratt is back. Uh, Von Bell and Jesse Bates are gone. You know, a couple weeks ago at the combine, Jay, you asked Luana Rumo about thinking about the possibility of losing mm-hmm. both Jesse Bates and Von Bell, who have been this sort of, you know, we've been, I mean, sort of calling them the cerebral core of this very complicated Luana Rumo defense. Uh, and he called it a dark, it would be a dark day and he didn't want to think about it. Well, he was forced <laughs> to think about it today and, you know, sh- I guess ship a drink down the bar to Lou tonight. If you uh, come across him uh, wherever you see him, but there's a lot of details and nuance, I think to get into with this and to discuss with this. So we're, we're going to try to do all that. We're going to talk about what's next at safety. Um, we're going to have some other observations we have from the first day of free agency, what, what we think happens next with the Bengals, uh, whether that's the office, certainly the offensive line marker is going to be one that we're going to continue to talk about and monitor uh, what they try to do there at right tackle and some other spots. Um, I want to talk a little bit at the end in the, uh, the NFL PA um, tweet and stance on what's happening with the workers' comp situation, which I have a story up on The Athletic now if you want to go read that, an explainer on it. you know, Try not to go too deep in the weeds. Try to simplify an insanely complicated topic. Uh, so if you want to go there and read up on it, you can. I'll touch on it briefly here at the end of this episode, though. We just wanted to get this one out of the way. I don't, I don't know if we're calling it an emergency podcast, but it's just sort of like, look, it, let's recap this day. Uh, before we let's not try to do something tomorrow in the middle of it because there's a lot to kind of get to right now we don't want it to get lost in the weeds of whatever goes on tomorrow or the next day as they actually cross over four o'clock wednesday the new league year um jay you have a story up on the jermaine pratt return uh the details on the jermaine pratt uh deal three years 20.3 million dollars with seven guaranteed um so not huge. It wasn't some exploding linebacker market. And in fact, the market kind of came back to the Bengals and Pratt a little bit. Um, dead money in year three, which is really, I think, what you're kind of looking at. You know, is there an out, a reasonable out in a third year of a deal with Jermaine Pratt? Well, there is. Um, it would be, uh, they would save 5.6 million, letting him go uh, after two years of this deal with only 2.3 of dead money left on it. So an easy out, think of it like that as kind of a, kind of a two year deal with Jermaine Pratt. But uh, you know, Jay, I would say starting with the Pratt news was the first one that went off the board day. Uh, I, I mean, a surprise that, that he was back. I, I didn't, I didn't think it would go that direction. No, I didn't either. And I mean, we, we just, the last pod we did, we put percentages on it and I had, I think I had him down in the 20% range. I got, you know, 
that was in a vacuum. Does the the assumption was that it would be Von Bell coming back and that would not leave room for Jermaine Pratt and it it ended up going the other way where they they weren't able to get Bell done and so then I mean they've talked about this and that's kind of what I wrote about was the the whole rift with the third down thing and and the Bengals never had a problem with him voicing that displeasure and they they actually kind of liked it that he wanted to be on the field more and it was it was not something that couldn't be overcome with with several million dollars but you you had uh, it, you think Jesse Bates was a lock to be gone so then you had the two other starters and it it comes down to Bell versus Pratt and it, Bell's not going to work out and um it was if someone had said they're not going to get Bell back my percentage on Pratt would have been way higher I would have thought there would be a much greater chance for for them to bring him back and um it is it's just just as what we've talked about Lou losing that that cohesion on the back end with Bates and Bell you have that in the middle of the defense with Pratt and Logan Wilson three years together uh playing as a starting linebackers now going into a fourth um not quite as 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 important as on the back end, but still a really valuable connection between those two. And presumably we, we may see Jermaine Pratt. I don't know if that was something worked into the negotiations where we're going to give you a few more snaps on third down, but uh, we're, we're going to see a more Jermaine Pratt in the future. Yeah. I mean, look, you got to keep as many pieces of the defense together as you can. And, and I think this is a matter of, I'm not going to go full contract Thunderdome here, but mm. I mean, I think it is like, this is the money we want. We want to keep a, a piece of this together. You know, it's what, what, how can we do this? So if, if you can't agree to find a way to make Vaughn work, then the money shifts over to Pratt. And the fact that his market happened to be sit there, the linebacker market didn't go crazy. I mean, it, it there was a, a, a bit here with Ted, I guess, for Jermaine Edmonds in Buffalo. But, you know, where for the most part, the level, there was a lot of guys in there. There was a lot of that mid-tier mm-hmm. linebacker. And I think that made you know him uh, affordable in that rate. Um, but I don't know that we need to get into Jermaine Pratt that much, other than yeah. he was the beneficiary of of them not being able to get Von Bell done. I think that was kind of the shift. Um this is about the safeties. This day will be about the safeties. This day will be about, you know, really an era of Bengals defense and the Lou Anarumo scheme um, kind of going up in, you know, dollar bills in the air, right? I mean, that was, that was what, it, this is what happened. So we win the vulture circle. The Bengals have plotted for this in many ways. The Bates one, we know we've talked about it ad nauseum. We don't need to go, you know, into details. He, he gets four, four years, 64 million. 23 million in the first year from Atlanta, 36 million in the first two years. Uh, and, uh, you know, by the numbers, the, by, they call him the fourth highest paid safety in the NFL. Um, those numbers are delightfully maneuvered to make the agent look real nice in this one. Um, I, I'm, it felt like it almost could, you know, they would probably wanted it to be higher. It's a great deal for for jesse he gets a lot of money i'm not going to get deep into the details of that because we've done it a bunch but it's just a lot of risk that he went through for two years for a deal that is by and large not dramatically different from close to what the Bengals were talking about two years ago for him but you know what he bet on himself twice and, and it paid off with that contract yeah and it was it's about the guarantees and it was <laughs> Like I said, there there was we knew there was no way Jesse was coming back, and the 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 question now is, 
that that back end, Dax Hill slides in. That's the reason they took him in the first round. I'm really intrigued to see. I don't know how much this plays into it and how much of of their plan moving forward. You can't just. I know that they're 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 not done there, but I'm really interested to see. I mean, Tyson Anderson, the guy they took in the fifth round last year, one of the fastest guys that they've they've drafted since they started if you look on a pro football reference and they track combine stats back to 2000 tyson anderson one of the fastest guys they've drafted um in, in that in the last 23 years never got to see him last year he, he had that hamstring injury that lingered all year never put him on ir um finally got him or never got put him on the field finally got him off of ir toward the end of the year but we never saw him i don't know that He's the plan going forward, but he's certainly in the mix. It's it's they were really high on him when they drafted him, um, but I do I, I think that that it's going to be either a draft pick or the, there's still free agent safeties out there that that you can go get really kind of in the same price range as Von Bell, but it, younger than Von Bell, a little bit sure. younger than Von Bell, and and. I guess that's what they're looking at is that the, the whole coming back, the, the, the Carlos and Gino over 30 huge deals uh, still in the back of their mind where they're not going to cross that bridge. <laughs> so that's really a big part of this. So Von Bell gets three years, 22 million, 13 guaranteed from Carolina going to the Panthers. And, and that, you know, he was going to kind of, we talked about it, kind of a tipping point of this free agency period for the Bengals. Could you get Von Bell back or not? Could you find a way to make it work? And, you know, they're just, they have a type. They have a way they built this team. The way they have built this defense it has looked the same. And, and they like guys that are, they don't like paying third deals. You know, you, you the decline years can show up out of nowhere. Mm. And injuries can show up more often. Um, they just do. So they try to... This is a group that since Zach Taylor has gotten here, they have played, they have not been willing to play that game often. If certainly if they don't have better options, they do their, but they they were not going to go to three years. And really, they probably weren't even really that interested in going to two years uh, with Von Bell. They wanted to move on. They wanted to get younger there. They understand his value and his need and what they wanted him to be. Um, But they weren't willing to go where some other teams were willing to go. And so dedication to that model can cost you sometimes. It it costs you unease. It costs you some continuity. It costs them Von Bell. Um, and as much as that is a part of who they are, that's how it cycles, man. Like you, you cycle, they have to find the next Von Bell. I mean, you know, you look at so many of their defensive players, Mike Hilton, uh, Von Bell, Chidabe Wuzier, o- the Ogunjobi deal, which was a one-year deal, but same thing. Guys coming off their rookie contract that maybe are in that mid-tier. Um, they're not going to pay the top. That's why Bates is gone. They're not going to pay you getting older. That's why Bates, that's why Bell is gone. So they look for what's next in that. They find the next guy. They invested in in Hill, in Dax Hill. We, you know that he was always going to be the plan next, you know, next to whoever was there. You'd hope maybe, maybe. Bell, but they couldn't do it. So here's some of the names. Here, you know, there, there's a there's a a large group here. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and there's a, one other signing that happened today that I think's relevant to it. Um, Marcus Epps, a safety, um, who started next to Chauncey Gardner 
Johnson um, for Philadelphia on their way to the Super Bowl, um, got a deal with the Raiders for two years and 12 million. Eight guaranteed. Reasonable, low, easy to handle, you know? And that to me is the sign of a market seeing all those mid tier safeties remaining, saying, mm, coming back. Mm-hmm. not going to hang out up top. It's going to end up low. And here's a bunch of names that are still out there. Guys that fit the mold of, of what the Bengals typically look for. You know, I, I think Gardner Johnson might end up being too expensive, but if the market comes back, certainly the Bengals are trying to tweet at him. Uh, we have him, him retweeting Zach Carter, who also went to Florida as Gardner Johnson mm-hmm. did uh, Mike Hilton, who's constantly recruiting on Twitter. Um, and, the, and Gardner Johnson giving them eyeballs back to try to you know get it going. Maybe there's something there. Maybe there's not. I, I don't see the Bengals going up to a PFF thought of him as an eleven and a half million dollar a year type guy. I don't. They're not going to go up into that range. Um, but if he comes back, maybe there's a maybe there's a chance of that. He's only twenty five. Julian Love for the Giants is twenty four. He could be further. These are all guys that are in the range of somewhere between five and eight projection by PFF. Now again that. First year number would be lower, like we talked about in the in the uh, mock off season stuff. So you're, it's a little more digestible. Julian Love is 24. Taylor Rapp from the Rams, who Zach Taylor has familiarity with. Uh, you know he's 25. Juan Thornhill from Kansas City just won a Super Bowl. He's 27. Donovan Wilson from Dallas. He just turned 28. Um, John Johnson the third, who also familiarity with the Rams, who just got let go by Cleveland, five and a half million dollars. So it, these are some of the names that are out there, and and that you could bring in and be the next. But eventually, you have to flip that over, and 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 you're you know you hope that you know youth and speed can make up for some of the savvy and intelligence that's lost. And, but how many how many wins will it cost them? having mm-hmm. to rebuild the back safety group this year. Big deal for Luana Rumo. Big challenge for Luana Rumo. Going to be a big story of the offseason and of training camp of getting that, whatever that group is, back up to speed. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's not going to be hard for Bengals to fans to to think back to the slow start, the 0-2 start last year, cost them maybe an AFC championship game at home. How how. If that if that that is slow to come together, that cohesion that they could be the same case this year, where they are slow out of the gate and it costs them a game or two, and it it could have even greater ramifications down the line. Um, you mentioned it with Thornhill, I, the, the type where the the younger and it, what they want from these guys and fitting the the mold, and it it's interesting. Three of the first four guys you mentioned all have played in the Super Bowl the last two years. Mm-hmm. You got Rap with the Rams. You got C.J. Gardner-Johnson with the Eagles this year. And then Thornhill, as you mentioned, won the Super Bowl this year with the Chiefs. So you've got guys back there that are that are that that have played in this league, that are going into their second contract, that have experienced success. And we talked that's not as important now that they've built the culture and they've got so many guys in the locker room that do have that postseason success, including guys that have done it here and nowhere else but here. But it's still interesting that you these guys are all out there. And um, I'm with you. I think C.J. Gardner-Johnson is going to be too expensive for them to go after. But this is 
and we'll see. We'll see. Do they start flying off the table tomorrow? What's that market like? It, does that start drying up? And then the Bengals swoop in what we talked about before this whole thing started, that second slash third wave guy, guys that are proven in this league that didn't get what they thought they might get that will come here for a chance to win, some cases win again, uh, and and do it with the chip on their shoulder. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. I mean, we've been talking about this second wave and this third mm-hmm. wave for a while. I mean, this is where they were going to live. This is where yep. they were going to try to make it happen. And, you know, it's funny. We we started the day earlier hearing about hearing about Patrick Peterson, Adam Schefter's podcast. <laughs> and and he opened it. Were there any places... You know, Patrick, that you'd you'd, you'd want to be, and he opens with a long monologue about how great it would be to go and replace Eli Apple in Cincinnati. And I'm thinking, well, if he wants to be CB four for three and a half million dollars, I'm sure the Bengals would be thrilled to replace Eli Apple with Patrick Peterson. <laughs> he ends up signing for much more than that in Pittsburgh. But the point I think stood of the desire of free agents to come here. We've heard people talking about it. I mean, Taylor Luan, I mean, came out and talked about, oh, Cincinnati, I go there. Mm-hmm. I mean, people, there's a place that people want to go and they think they can win these battles in in the desirable levels. I'm here for you on YouTube, right? We, you've got the top tier that happened today. Mm-hmm. A lot of regrettable contracts were signed today or okay. agreed to today. And then you'll have down the line, you know, th- that middle second third wave is where you typically in future years see well that that was a really good deal, and they, you found value there and you found helpful pieces that can you can plug in as a starter and you know you're not you know, you're not trying to find stars especially not this team right now they're here to invest in their own guys with the big contracts they're trying to find plug and play spots they can win some battles at the middle level maybe it's one of the names we just mentioned. You know, where those guys are sitting there, they're not super thrilled with what happened to the safety market. They thought it would be better, and it wasn't. And they said, well, maybe maybe it's one year. Maybe they get there one year that way mm-hmm. uh, with somebody to help with the transition. Um, maybe it's multiple years, but you, you win that battle with those types of guys. Um in that second and third wave that comes later this week into the weekend, even and, and can make hay that way. I think that's where they think that they can find the answers that you need. I, I, when I wrote about this, you know, I wrote sort of about the transition from bell and Bates and sort of having this as a, a plan. Um, it does remind me a lot. I mean, I know it's not the same because I think bell is more valuable than CJ was, but it feels similar to CJ Uzama last year. Also, how are they going to the culture and that juice that he brings and the attitude and how are they and but they're not going to pay the third contract. They're not going to do it. Not for multiple years, even if it means costing them a CJ Uzama or a Von Bell, they're going to just go. And if you if you find a safety that gives you the equivalent of what Hayden Hurst did mm-hmm. again, this is non premium position in a lot of ways. Safeties, tight ends, running backs. You know, go find the the safety version of Hayden Hurst. It doesn't hurt you. You move on, and you're able to use that money elsewhere and, and and pile your resources into more premium positions, and maybe develop a draft player. Maybe Tyson Anderson comes along this year, and he hmm. end of the year he takes over, or next year he takes over. I think it's all part of the plan. It's not good to lose Von Bell. They'd rather keep Von Bell, but they're just not going to budge 
it's who they are right now. They're not going to budge off of paying guys multiple years into their thirties. They're just, it's not a part of who they're going to be right now, unless they're absolutely forced to. And in this case, I don't think they felt forced to. You know, the, the, the ridiculous exercise of doing mock drafts before free agency. I, when I did mine, I didn't have them taking a single safety. I can't, would you have sixth or seventh round have them grabbing a safety? Uh, I don't think I, I don't, I can't remember if I did or not. Probably. Yeah. But yeah, that, that has changed. Uh, Even if they, I was gonna say, even if they sign one of these guys, I, I still think that's a position that they're gonna, they're gonna look to add some depth to. Yeah. Uh, Uncle Mike back, uh, Mike Thomas, uh, which really, when that happened, Jay, I texted you. I said, oh, that feels like sign one that Vaughn's not coming back because yeah. you're worried about losing some of your leadership, some of your culture stuff when you lose Vaughn. Well, you keep Uncle Mike around and you get a lot of that. Still bringing the young guys around, that leadership in the room. He's he's a, you know elite in that regard, captain on special teams last year. And, you know, and then you have... You have as the day as the day went on, it felt like when they brought Pratt back, that felt like, oh no, that's Ooh, them, that's, that's them good. going going the other direction with that money, and um, it ended up being that way. Um, not that they weren't trying to, but that's sort of I think how how it played out. Um, let's let's kind of uh, touch quickly. Um, we we went through what's next at safety. Other thoughts from today, Jay. Um, I, I guess you know if fans were holding out hope. For uh, for one of these tackles, the next level down from from Orlando Brown and that McGlinchey and Taylor, I know those were both popular picks in our Choose Your Adventure worksheet. Uh, those guys are gone. That's that's off the table. Um, I don't know. Be, beyond that, it just it's it's amazing. It's not so much today as this weekend, and I guess it could it could serve. I don't know how much Bengal fans care about this, but you look at the last couple of days and even today, the number of, and you talked about it, regrettable contracts, the number of deals that were either restructured or guys cut because of regrettable contracts that were signed a couple of years ago. And the, the Bengals are just almost never in that situation. And yes, they would have liked to have, have kept Von Bell, but they they anticipated this could be a possibility. They've got a plan moving forward, and I, I think that's that's one area where when you see all this happening leading into free agency, so many so many fans are eager for the free agency to start, and you see all this other chaos that's going on just so teams can can get into free agency and, and get cap compliant. And I, I think there should be an appreciation there for the way the Bengals do handle the cap. You're not getting the splash signings, but you're also not diffusing a bomb. Yeah, I mean, you know, they could they have restructured some contracts and kept Von Bell? Probably. They could have. You yeah. know, and I think and I think that's the debate. I mean, that's the debate here is that, you know, why why not? You know, that it's the go for it. It's the all in. There's an in button like we brought you Duke Tobin a few weeks ago in the in the combine. It's not going to be who they are. It's not going to be part of their DNA. They're going to try to stretch these out. And that's why a lot of times, you know, you revert back to the 11 to 15. I mean, that window that they sustained that for such a long period of time, it wasn't a quick peak and down. I mean, they had such a deep quality roster for a longer period of time because they focus that way on not giving up on year to year to year. And I think the thought is you keep decent roster around Burrow every year. Eventually he'll get you 
all the way there. And he's gotten you close with this roster the couple next couple of years. We'll learn what it looks like with a roster that's maybe not quite as stacked, but still keeping enough talent around him that Burrow can take you there is kind of where they're at with this right now. A, a couple of things that struck me. One, we do need to talk about, you know, just this O-line market in general. But just one, a couple quick ones came off the board was the guard market today. And that was, <laughs> you know, Atlanta signs Chris Lindstrom, re-signs Chris Lindstrom. Five years. I'm, I'm going to bring you three con. Denver re-signed signed Ben Powers from uh, Baltimore. Um, Chris Lindstrom, five years, 105 million, 63 guaranteed. I mean, for a guard. And Denver, Ben Powers, four years. 52 million, 28 and a half guaranteed. Last year on the first day of free agency, Alex Kappa, four years, 35, 11 guaranteed. What a deal. You know, I mean, think about that one year later, the value, you know, again, not giving in to this early, and that was early last year, I know, but they, they pinpointed the mid tier to find the real, the balance of of quality starter without trying to go top overpay break the bank that's so much a part of these early days of free agency just compare those when you see them next to each other it's startling um the right tackle market still sits you know they were never going to be in the 18 you know 16 million dollar the McClinchy. i mean juan taylor getting 20 mil a year as as Kansas City moved on from Orlando Brown um, to move Taylor to left tackle position, he's never played a, a, an interesting move by the Chiefs. Obviously, they have a lot of confidence in everything they've done there, but an interesting move by the Chiefs without question. Um, and you have a lot of those right tackles that we've talked about that are in that second, third wave that they're going to be potentially looking at. Jermaine Illuminor, we are uh, talking about Cam Fleming, Fant, some of these other guys all sitting there, not a word, not a peep. I think that's good news for the Bengals in the long. We'll see. Again, these, this will evolve uh, over the coming days, but I think mm-hmm. the quick tackles went off the board, and now I think there's going to be a lot of sitting and kind of waiting on a, a free agent class that's you know not not the greatest right now. Um so that that part of offensive line still struck me. I think you'll still see next weekend that before the weekend or during the weekend that piece start to come into focus too. Yeah, did did McGarry go today? Did he resign somewhere? Yeah, I, I while I, I was while I was writing the story yeah. today at the end, I don't know what happened while I was writing uh, with him specifically. I only saw some Bengals updates, so I don't I don't know. Yeah, I, uh, there, so there are options there at right tackle. Yeah, yeah, for other teams. I feel like McGarry would be like, Jay, you know I love Survivor Talk. He'd be like a shield for what the Bengals are trying to do, <laughs> right? You yes. need a good shield. Uh, so if so, somebody who's still really trying to be in that right tackle business, uh, maybe they would go look for somebody like that instead of going for uh, maybe one of the Bengals' targets that's a little bit uh, on, a, on a lower level. But again, we'll, we'll continue to monitor that um, as it goes. Um, elsewhere... Uh, you know, the Bengals have been kind of in in the conversation. Our good friend Tyler Dunn at Go Long mentioned Jamal Williams uh from Detroit keeping the Bengals in their conversation uh as he looks for what his next spot could be. You know, I kind of run a qu- quick analysis of him versus P Ryan today for a little while, and I I 
He's an upgrade from Samaj AP Ryan. Actually, they have very similar a number of pass protection reps over the last two seasons. Jamal Williams has actually been better in pass mm-hmm. protection than Samaj AP Ryan. Um, and he hit 17 touchdowns last year. If you're looking for goal line scoring, um, he certainly has proven that he has that. Uh, you know, he's been better in a lot of metrics. You're talking about his efficiency percentage is higher. We know how much the Bengals value that. It, his his uh, yards over expectation uh, was better last year. If you're into the into the advanced analytics, I mean, it's it's a, it's even ish. But there's nods to Williams in a lot of key spots. I think the Bengals would be interested. It would depend on probably where his money ends up. And, you know, if you're talking about just wanting somebody who does a lot of the same things Samaj P. Ryan does, but brings you a little more, I think is kind of maybe what they're looking for is they gauge those. And it's like, well, if you don't get one, maybe maybe Williams is the only one. Then you come back to Samaj and say, hey, let's be in business together again. So, um, We'll we'll see how how that um, plays out. Um, Do you think that is a, a Thunderdome situation? Because I had them signing Williams and P Ryan and, and keeping. And I don't see them doing both of those guys. No. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I again, I I think they're taking a running back in the draft somewhere this year mm-hmm. to be the other guy, um, or at least if they don't get it, then they you know keep mixing around. Um, yeah. And, and and do that up again, but I I do think that your the changing of the guard at that position is going to be upon us, and and the draft will turn something up. I keep I keep putting Zach Charbonnet in there. Maybe I'm going to end up looking stupid, but I I just keep thinking of how they just continually love drafting running backs in the second round when they need one, and he seems the perfect fit for them. And uh, I had that in my sort of full off season prediction, which is already. Half up in flames uh, in a couple of spots. <laughs> I said, uh, you know, I was going to put the meme out with it afterwards. It was like, this is going to be me in August. Is if you ever seen uh, the Price is Right game where they lean in and say, ladies, do I have at least one number right? And they honk the horn. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I'm going to be like, uh, Duke, do I have at least two players right? And then you wait and then the silence comes. Yeah, oh. that's good. Yeah. Oh, I guess not. Okay. Uh, but you know, it's, it's, it's a hard thing to try to predict because there's so many yeah. moving parts but uh it's up there now if you want to see some of that analysis there's a lot of a lot of other stuff besides just those predictions in there okay plenty more to get to on the free agency uh clip as we run through the rest of the week we'll do that we're on emergency pods here for you if you need it and, and we're going to keep talking about that i do want to uh talk about the nflpa situation so you know that came down um Saturday night, which was just odd timing, it was, it's six fifty one, and the NFLPA, you know, puts out a tweet um, stating. Hey, let me make sure I read it here specifically for you. I thought I had it open. I don't have it right here. Um, Stating attention all players in a move that could impact our entire membership. Bengals ownership is attempting to strip all athletes in Ohio of their workers' compensation benefits. Check your email for more info and reach out to your PD with questions. Alarming, right? Strip you of your workers' compensation benefit. I mean, it's and I, I don't. Here's the thing: I don't know how much you guys care about this stuff. I think it's an important topic. Um, I, I the weeds of this are deep. I have no. Sure. Hold on, for the YouTubers, I have pages <laughs> of notes from conversations with people here. Um, 
that are hard to hard to read. Um, many lawyers keeping me on the phone uh, and about that. I don't want that. Like, no, you're it, it's too hard to get lost. And here's the basics of it. The basics of it are, you know, through an Ohio representative, Bill Seitz, uh language was put forth to the House to essentially through this permanent partial disability claim that people can make. If you're an athlete, you make this claim and you can for, for an, an incident. And not only do you win the award of whatever money, which is not huge, but you get a five year extension on what there is right now a you only have a five-year window after an injury to file for workers comp or else it goes away you can't file it even down the line it's really you know from the pa's aspect the only way in ohio because ohio is just different you, the the Bengals choose to be self-insured most teams are not it's just Ohio's a weird state one of only four states like that so it ends up where you have a private insurer like the Bengals. uh they it, they're handling all the claims themselves. It isn't somebody else. So they're looking out for that. And so if they're the ones that put this forth, okay, you have five years to get it done and it disappears. If they, they're using this thing, this permanent partial disability file to extend that so that once they're retired or they're 35, whatever, you still have an opportunity to file for workers' comp something that happened to you a long time ago. You know, people I talk to, said, you know, the reason this is out here being proposed is how can you file for partial permanent disability when there you are playing in the league? Mm -hmm. You're you're clearly not, you know, you're, 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 you're out here, you're playing in the league. What, what are we talking about? What, what disability are you claiming? And that's the Bengals way of saying they want to shut that loophole because there's lawsuits that are showing up of people claiming that when they're playing in the league, trying to file for disability and they're saying, but there is no disability. This person is playing in the league. The PA is stating, this is the only way they have to assure that when they're out of the game, because the Bengals are saying, you know, look, when you're out of the game, file for all the workers comp you want file away like we get it you're out of the game you're disabled like that makes sense you can't play because of it that makes sense go ahead the pa is saying you can't because this would essentially be what they would call they call it a quote claim killer because you can't because what doing this would shut down the ability to have an extension um of, of the time frame that you can actually file so you would never actually be able to file it once you retired two sides with these things that they're kind of both angry about with this it's now at the at the house they will decide whether to change it through this bill or not change the law or not and and we'll see which way that that goes but it's it's a big case um and it's one that has caught a firestorm within the pa they really feel like their rights are under attack um and and there's you know obviously we'll we'll see where it lands but that's kind of where it sits it's super complicated there's a lot more to mm-hmm. it than that um and a lot more nuance i'm just trying to keep it basic so you feel like you have an understanding of what both sides are saying in this and make your decisions um either way but it's scary stuff you know i kind of wrote in the story like you think about it i mean if you if you get concussions your second year in the league and you don't think anything's going to come of it. You don't, you don't worry about it. You had concussions. Um, you're, you know, the statute of when you could file for workers comp passes your five years passes. You have no ability to extend it. Um, and you're 36 and you start having CTE and it, you know, you know what it goes back to, but you can't 
file workers comp for stuff that happened that long ago. Um, again, there's a lot of complications and ins and outs to all that stuff, but I think there's a lot of, that's kind of a lot of where the, the, the issues are being raised uh, on all sides. We'll see where it plays out. Jay, so, yeah. well, yeah. I, I wanted to ask because it is confusing, <laughs> and I and I and I read your story, and I'm how did the Bengals catch catch shrapnel on this? Because if it's Bill Seitz as Bill, are the Bengals? Well, sure, they're right. They're the they're Cincinnati, endorsing the Cincinnati representative. Yeah, I mean, the Cincinnati. Yeah, he's it, it, that's where it comes from. It comes from the Bengals. It comes. It's it's written um, with Cincinnati as the the people that are behind it. I mean, that's, but it will be statewide because you mentioned yes, even yeah, the minor this league not, teams. Yeah, this is and not. This is, this is yeah. not a Bengals thing. This is right. a this is an, a professional sports change. This is yes. the Toledo Walleye or the Mudhens or the Mudhens. Uh, yeah, I mean the or all of the the Columbus Clippers. You name it. Or you play a professional sport. There's 16 minor leagues in Ohio mm-hmm. plus all your major leagues. Um, it it would affect all of those as far as how those workers comp claims would be handled um okay so that's that i'm sure you were just as interested in that as you were in like what's going to happen next at safety uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but i wanted to make sure we put it out there because it is a big yeah, it deal is and something that's happening with the team right now um and has a, a lot of people talking so all right thanks everybody for listening uh we will catch up with you as the week goes on we're in emergency podcast mode as we feel like things are worthwhile we will hop on for you and we'll talk it out so thanks for listening we will uh, talk to you next time have a good one everybody